All right, here we go. Episode 5 of An Idiot and Expert. I'm Calcio Joe. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Claudio Perfetto. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Idiot Expert Pod, Claudio at, at CPerfetto11, myself at Calcio Joe 5. We've returned. Yes. We've come back from our own international break. It was a nice, long international break. <laughs> we're back. So we're, we're back in the, in the, the midst of everything. Uh, we're going to run through our, our soccer topics and go around the soccer world really, really quickly. Um, and then we'll, we'll move on and we'll talk about some other topics uh, today. Branch out of our little, small, secular soccer world. We'll touch upon some football We'll touch yep. upon some American baseball. Some things Joe can actually talk about. Yeah, I don't know why I said American baseball <laughs> as opposed to what? <laughs> uh, European baseball? I don't Japanese, know how that would be different. Yeah, Japanese. Japanese baseball, I guess. Um, so let's start off with the reason why we had our international break, the international friendlies. Obviously, the main leagues, uh, all the leagues were taking their break right. uh, so that the players could have their, their international friendlies. Uh Italy lost 2 nothing to Argentina. Obviously, you were really interested in that matchup. What did you see? Yeah, so Italy played two games. One was the loss that you mentioned to Argentina. The other one was a 1-1 draw with England. Um, it was intriguing because, obviously, after they didn't qualify for the World Cup, we wanted to see how they would respond, and, and uh, it wasn't very pretty uh they played well for the beginning of the argentina game but then they kind of fell apart after argentina scored and they just never got back into the game and then against england um they played okay but they had like a few lapses in concentration and they just didn't look uh like a typical italy team that you you're used to watching which they're not so um, so this is a new coach new uh, well, or interim, it's an interim head coach interim head yeah. coach um, is he a candidate to be the next head coach? He is, but they basically phrase it as, if we can't find better, we're going to hire him. That's, so that's always a good vote of confidence. They're trying you... to find better. Um, so, But there's not many better options right now. But you know, overall, I didn't really expect much because um, – they don't have a, a set coach in in uh, play right now, and you know the players, I, I they just they didn't do well against Sweden, and most of the same people were called up again, and and you know there was a few youngsters in there that I was excited to see, but you know overall it was probably disappointing, you know. So we'll get into what the meaning of these international friendlies are in, in a little bit, uh, but I first want to finish off the the friendly recap Mm -hmm. um was there anything else in particular other than the italian matchups uh that piqued your interest between these friendlies yeah there were a couple of interesting results um spain beat argentina pretty badly so argentina played italy first they beat them to nothing but then they lost to spain um but messi didn't play in either game um so it kind of shows you how dependent argentina is on messi um uh, Brazil beat Germany, which was a big game for them because Germany really killed Brazil in the last World Cup in Brazil. I don't know if you remember that, the 2014 mm-hmm. World Cup. Um, and Brazil actually won one nothing, and it was Germany's first loss uh, since the Euros of 2016. So they haven't lost in a while. So it was a big statement game for Brazil that you know they're they're serious and they're real contenders for, for the World Cup. And then other than that, just... Um, here in the United States, the U.S. beat Paraguay one nothing, which was a good response to them not making the World Cup because Paraguay is a South American team, even though they didn't qualify either. Um, you know, they come out of South America, which is a tough, tough qualifying place, and they were close but didn't get in. So it was a good game for the U.S. with uh, you know showing a lot of the youngsters. Well, I, I guess the international friendlies is a, and you you said youngsters a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a platform. To kind of showcase uh, some of the younger players. Well, for teams like Italy and the U.S. that aren't in the World Cup, it is because they have nothing to play for, really, mm. other than pride. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing to play for because friendly results actually count towards your FIFA ranking, so they are important um, to an extent because FIFA rankings is how you ultimately get 
you know, thrown into different groups and seeding and things like that. But, you know, for teams that are rebuilding, they have a chance to show the younger players. For the teams like Germany, Argentina, Spain, Brazil that are going to the World Cup and contenders for it, they aren't playing youngsters. Yeah. They're playing their best people. Really? So yeah. I would take it. I would take it if I was a coach of one of these teams. I'm a few months away from the World Cup. I'm not risking injury. Well, I mean, think about it. They're playing two games for the national team, but they're with the club that's playing every week for six months. So, you know, if they're going to un- get injured, unavoidable. you can't avoid it. And number one and number two, it's, they don't have much opportunity together in the national setup because they're always with their club teams. So it's an opportunity really for the, uh, the, the coach to see different players and train them for those couple of weeks that so he has So it's an organized scrimmage that just happens to be televised and has some rankings behind it. Yeah, it's, a, it's more than a scrimmage, but yes, it's, they're important. They actually are important. All right, let's shift gears to upcoming games this weekend as we return to league action. Sierra, uh, Juventus Milan. That's obviously a, a very very big game, big game for you, It's, uh, it's a uh, big game in my household. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Juventus is favored in this game as yes. they they need to to win in their race with Napoli uh, mm-hmm. for the league championship. Um, what other storylines are there going into this week? Well, in the Juventus Milan game, uh, it's the return of Bonucci to Turin. So that's a big storyline right there. Uh, you know, Milan's playing well um, going into the game. Juventus, obviously, like you said, needs to win because they want to stay ahead of Napoli. They haven't um, lost in months yes. at this rate. And Napoli has an easier matchup playing Sassuolo, which is obviously another important game. Um, so I expect the Milan-Juventus game to be entertaining and, and very competitive. Um, other than that... Now, is this... Is this something that Milan can hang their hat on to try to play spoiler? Oh, well, I mean, Milan... So Milan's goal is to get into the Champions League, which means they have to finish in the top four in Italy, especially now because they were eliminated from the Europa League, which was their other opportunity. Um, so they can't just play spoiler. They have to try to win, you know, they because they're... They're already behind Inter, Lazio, and Roma for so that equally top as an, four. Equally so it's, as important. it's a very important game for them, too, because they don't... Milan's actually playing Inter next week after this game so they want to try to stay with inter as close as possible so when they play each other next week they can gain some ground on them so i see i see in your prep work you wrote down the draw plus 293 well i thought the betting odds were interesting because milan i think is actually plus 500 to win which is a heavy underdog yeah wow all right so So they're they're plus 500 and the draw is plus 293 right um, I think that's where it's heading. I think it's heading for headed for a draw. So if it heads for a draw, Napoli's back in the driver's seat. If it heads for a draw and Napoli win, Napoli are, are they're tied. They they would be tied. They at would that be point. tied. Yeah. All right. So that's an interesting. So it's a very very big game then. It's a huge game. It's a huge game for both teams, and it's good. You know, Benucci adds like we haven't really had the. Milan Juventus rivalry in a few years. Is it equal? So, and I'll show you a little bit of my knowledge here. Equal to Iguain going back to Napoli, or even or oh, not not on that level. I think um, it probably is. Really, yeah, it probably is. Really, it probably right. is. I mean, yeah, because because Iguain um, Napoli's fans are very passionate and very intense, and um, you know Iguain. He played a big role for them, and then he went to Juventus when he couldn't beat Juventus ultimately with Napoli. Bonucci, he basically became a, a top player at Juventus. You know, they really groomed him, and he just wanted to leave in the summer for whatever reason. So the fans are not happy about it. So I, I think in nature, by nature, the Napoli fans are more intense. So that was probably a harder experience for Iguain. Then it will be for Bonucci, but it'll still be hostile for sure. I feel like this is a very, this is a territory that Juventus fans have probably never been before. With someone, rather, the the player has left them rather than the than them doing the ta- the stealing of a player. It's well, very, not stealing, but it's, purchasing. It's very rare for a. It's a great way to put it because Juventus in the past few years, just examples, they took Iguain from Napoli. 
they took Pjanic from Roma. So those two were competitors to them, and they took their best players, basically. So, yeah, you're right. Juventus is usually the ones buying these players from the other Italian teams. And it's very, very rare for a top Italian team, a top Italian player playing at Juventus to leave. It doesn't in happen. The pr- in the prime in of, the prime his, prime career. of his career. For now, sure. keep in mind, what is he, 31? He's, 30, he's about to turn 31, yeah. Okay, so... You know that's a big deal. That's uh, yeah. that's that's a situation that Juventus fans have probably not been in before. Yep. Um. So we'll we'll keep our eyes out on yeah. that matchup. So you're thinking a draw? I think a draw for that game for sure. And then uh, you know the other game that I would keep my eyes on. There's two. One is uh, Bologna versus Roma because Roma is in that fight for a top four spot as well. Um. And Bologna is a good team you know they're they're not one of the best but they're mid-table team tough team to beat and um roma might have their eyes set on the champions league next week which they're playing barcelona so i i want to see if they will overlook them and um does that happen often i think so yeah it probably does would you you would you say it's more it's more prevalent obviously like it's it's something that can't be compared to American sports, because in American sports, when you're in the season, that's your only goal. That's the only... Winning the division, winning your conference, winning the Super Bowl, Larry O'Brien Trophy, World Series Trophy, that's your only goal. You have have, um, times during the season where, you know, say the Warriors are getting ready to play the Cavaliers during the I'm talking about during the season yeah. um on Christmas day and maybe you know the day before a couple of days before you know they're playing the Jazz or whatever so they don't really you know maybe they overlook the Jazz in that situation or something like that you have it but yeah it's it's unique it, in, yeah. in that fact that It's unique in the sense that it's a, a totally different totally different like you said competition yeah. uh it would be it would be as if you know Major League Baseball had a the best teams from Japan and right. the United States and South America um, all played together, and the Mets overlooked the matchup against the Phillies, right? Because they were, they were worrying about Japanese playing a team, team from Japan. Yeah, so which is a know. great idea. I think that Major League Baseball should should do something like that. But it's a topic for another day. I, I like I like where your head's at. Um, you mentioned the Champions League, uh, so. The lines had been released for that. Yep. Uh, we know that the matchups are Bayern Munich against Sevilla, uh, Real Madrid against Juventus, Manchester City against Liverpool, and Roma versus Barcelona. What jumps out at you right away? What's the What's the most intriguing matchup? The most intriguing to me is the two English teams because they're both from England and they, um, you know, that's going to be hotly contested. Um, you know, the other one is Real Madrid and Juventus just because that's a, a repeat of last year's final. Um, but as far as the odds, I, I'm honestly shocked that Liverpool is um, they're plus 185. So I thought they would be bigger underdogs than that against Manchester City because Manchester City has ran away with the Premier League, which is their own league, mm-hmm. and they've been very dominant in um, the Champions League, so I was I was a little shocked. By, so now by that. let's keep in mind this is just for the first matchup. This for is for the first, the first leg of leg of the matchup. Right. It is not for uh, the series as a whole. Exactly, and I believe Manchester City is at home, so this they're plus one eighty five on the road. Liverpool, which is not really that big of an underdog in my opinion. I mean, it still is, but so uh, would you say that Liverpool's recent success or or not recent success recent uh failure has uh spurred them a little bit or or no well they've done well in the champions league um this season so that's probably why and um also i guess they 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 figure that two english teams are familiar with each other so Mm. Maybe there's not as much of the of the wow factor as maybe Roma going into Barcelona. There's a big wow factor there because Roma doesn't play Barcelona every day. They, so I will. T- they are giving no shot in hell to Roma. To Roma plus eleven hundred. Yeah, uh, which is very high. Really, really shocking. Um, I don't even think the Miracle on Ice had odds like that, Mike. No. Goodness, uh, that's a, plus eleven hundred. 
Wow. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but is there any any matchups? Who who do we think? Who do we think is going to be the final four in these? When it's all said and done, asking me to make picks, huh? Yeah. Well, as much as I'd love to pick Roma, you know Barcelona is just they're Barcelona, and it's too much to ask to beat them over two games. So I'd go with Barcelona there. I would go with Manchester City against with between the two English teams. I'm gonna go with Juventus because okay. I think that. Um, so a little tidbit, Juventus is the last team to beat Real Madrid and knock them out of the Champions League because Real Madrid has won back-to-back Champions Leagues. So Juventus is the last team to beat them. I think just the revenge factor from last season, Juventus is playing their best at the right time. Real Madrid hasn't had a great season. Um, they're like in third or fourth place in La Liga. Um, so, And I don't see them winning three in a row. So I just think the odds are against them, and Juventus would be, you know, a strong enough team to knock them out. And then Bayern Munich Bayern is a, cl- Munich, is a yeah. clear favorite. Yeah. So, so those are the four teams that our expert thinks are, are going to move on, and I tend to agree. I think the the mo- most hotly contested will probably be that Real Madrid Juventus matchup. Yeah. But then, of course, the English the league English is going to garner the most interest. Yeah. Um, being as though both teams are from the same league, and there's obviously animosity between the two. Yep. Uh, so that's the Champions League. Uh, sticking with the Premier League, uh, as we were just talking about the two Premier League teams that are playing in the Champions uh, Champions Tournament, um, we know that the we know that the championship is pretty much locked up for the for the Premier League. Right. Give our listeners a reason to watch this upcoming weekend. Well. One big game is Chelsea versus Tottenham. So that's just like there's a top four race going on in in Italy. There's also one in England. And Chelsea right now is in fifth place, uh, five points behind Tottenham. So this is a huge game for them. This will help them get back into the race if they are able to win it. Um, So that's one that you definitely need to look out for. Um, And then Manchester United plays Swansea City. So Swansea is uh, fighting for relegation and Manchester United obviously is also involved in that top four uh, race although they're a little ahead of everybody right now Um, but if they lost or slip up and one of these other teams win it could pull them right back into the into the race so all right so that's what that's what's to to watch out for this weekend in the Premier League Um, we're going to talk a little MLS here and I'm just going to skip right over uh, the two local New York uh New York, New York City FC and the New York Red Bulls, apparently not New York, New Jersey Metro Stars anymore. Um, well, he's skipping over them. Uh, I'm going to skip over them because the Red Bulls have been on a tear. Uh, That's right. Winning games left and right and ever, and since, also, <laughs> ever since you, you pledged your allegiance we, we to them. We mentioned that USA-Paraguay game. Tyler Adams, young player on the Red Bulls, actually won the penalty kick that won the game for the United States. So, so everything is coming up diamonds red. for uh, for the Red Bulls, whereas uh, New York City FC, not really doing much right now. Uh, yeah. Struggling. They had a, a tie against the Revolution 2-2. Two two. Um, so we're just going to move ahead. <laughs> Let's talk about the biggest news in the MLS right now. Uh, Ibrahimovic yes. is joining the LA Galaxy. Galaxy. Yep, um, And he had a very interesting way in which he announced that he was coming. Um, he took out a, a, a full-page ad in, I don't know, the Los Angeles Times, whatever mag- whatever newspaper is, is in L.A., um, and basically announced his... He, he had his own Jordan moment. Yeah, so I don't know how much you know about Ibrahimovic. I mean, you obviously know the name. You know, he was really, really good in, in FIFA. FIFA. One of the FIFAs, right? So he's a big time personality. He's just he's a huge, huge personality. He's just you know he's very uh, he's got a huge ego. Well, he I backs did, it up. I did see the line that he he was asked if he was going to play for Team Sweden in the yeah. World Cup. Um, he said he'll play if he if he wants to play. Right, which is people don't understand 
uh, the story behind it, he didn't play for Sweden in the qualifiers. So they qualified for the World Cup without him. And now he's basically saying, like, yeah, you guys did all the work getting there, but now I'm let's, still let's sliding. Br- let's and bring if the I big guns play, in. If I want to play, I'll play. <laughs> but it's a huge move for the Galaxy because LAFC is a new team in town. The Galaxy is coming off a very bad season. Um, you know, they're perennial title contenders, but last year they were terrible. Um, but LAFC has got off to a great start. They have, they're have they getting a lot of hype in L.A., so the Galaxy went out and they signed a huge player. I mean, I think uh, he's coming off a major injury, um, you know, so I don't know exactly where he is, but I'd figure that he's going to be one of the best, if not the best MLS player ever to, to play to play in the MLS. Really? So, so at his form, I mean, like you said, coming off an injury, are we talking like David Peckham past his prime? I mean, he's a little... David Villa... Say what you want about my, my squad, but he's put up numbers the past yeah, few well, years. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be very similar to that. He Before the injury, so which was a year ago, if he would have came over a year ago, he would have still been in his prime. At post-injury, you don't know what, what it's going to be, but... He, um, you know, he's a very strong guy. You know, he's very big into conditioning and strength and all that. So I, I have to believe that he's going to be healthy and very well conditioned, and he's going to make a major impact in the MLS. And that little uh, rivalry, I, I saw a tweet today. Um, LA Galaxy and LAFC. Um, they're going to call it El Trafico. El Trafico. I like that a which lot. I, which I was I a pretty big that. fan of. Yeah, I like that. Um, I saw I, that too. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. Uh, so, you know, interesting stuff for the MLS. I think the more they start gaining these stars, doesn't have to be at the peak of their career, uh, but just not at the, the, the tail end. And the baseball analogy I'll make is that people – know that Willie Mays, when he played with the Mets, um, that was his last stop. His yeah. career was over, and he fell down in center field. It, you know, it was sad. Yeah. Um, well, it's happened in the MLS. You just definitely. you don't want this to be their ride off to the sunset so, when, when they can't really perform. You want to see a little bit. Right. It doesn't have to be at the peak, but MLS, it has to be just a little bit. MLS has done a great job in the sense that it was – considered and it really was a retirement home for big european players that like you said when they had nothing left they would come to mls because they know they would get they would get paid. they get their the competition at, yeah. competition is less so they would come and they would basically just cl- collect their paycheck but they've done a great job now most teams aren't even going after these big time players and well look there's one here in new york the red bulls that don't have a huge European name on their team anymore um, and you know the ones that do are getting players that are really performing like you know like you said David Villa um, he's doing great for NYCFC Sebastian Jovinko is someone who actually came over in his prime mm. and has been tearing it up you know for Toronto FC um, so they're doing a much better job of getting these people before they're on their last legs and, and you know, they're actually contributing to, to the league. Well, I think the goal for the MLS would be, let's try to not, we're not going to capture the stars. Let's be realistic here. Right. You're not going to capture the Neymars of the world and the Messis and the Ronaldos of the world. But those fringe players that are fighting for, for starting spots in the top divisions in Italy and England and Spain, you might want to start targeting them yeah. as giving them an opportunity to become stars here to make star-like money here. Well, that's the thing with Jovinko. You know, he was a guy. He was on Juventus, um, but he wasn't a regular starter for Juventus. And I think it got to the point where he was like, "Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to be a top player at Juventus." Now, instead of going to uh, a Bologna or, you know, a Parma or a team that's not a top team in Italy, instead of going there, let me go to Toronto where I'm going to get paid a lot of money. I'm going to be one of the best players in the league. There's going to be a big following, you know, because the MLS has a big following. You go to these games, there's they're packed. People there, you know, yeah. There's people at these games. It's not like the stadiums are empty. So, so the comparison I would give, and you may agree or you may disagree, um, Stefan Marbury 
leaving the Knicks <laughs> and going to China. He's still playing. Isn't no, he? I think I, he recently retired, but he won a ton of championships there. <laughs> At like 50 years they old. Built a tr- they built like a statue for him because he was that good right. over there. Um, it's obviously lesser competition, and he dominated it. Or even uh, a guy like Eric Thames uh, yeah. in Major League Baseball who went to Japan and was hitting 50 home runs a year, and then finally he came back to Major League Baseball. But that's what the MLS needs to target, and that's where they that's that's the direction they need to go because anyone that thinks that they're going to go out there and grab. Uh, the Veratis and yeah. the, the prime uh, transfer figures. Um, it's just not realistic. No, exactly. Let's transition back a little bit. We talked about the international friendlies, um, but I want to go into a little bit more depth about what do they what do they actually mean, and what would be the best American comparison for it. Oof, that's tough. I mean, they so they mean. Um, there are ex- exhibition games, but they are important because, like I said, the coach is trying to prepare for the World Cup. They only have a certain amount of these until the World Cup comes. So it's a way for them to um, look at players, try different tactics, do all that type of stuff. Um, as far as a, a comparison in America, it's I don't, I don't know if we really have anything quite quite like it. You know, you can't even say like the World Baseball Classic or something no. like that because that's that's like that would be the equivalent of the World Cup, and it's not even at that it, level. So, I mean, let's put it this way: if international baseball or basketball was bigger than what it really what is, it now, is today, yeah, you would have to figure that you know every other month or every three months, MLB would stop and they would have international friendlies where players would go back to their countries and they would have exhibition games just to prepare for the next World Baseball Classic if it was huge like the World Cup is. That's that you know that's probably the best way to to put it, but we don't have anything like that, you know, internationally. So, there is no real comparison for no. it, but the question that I would ask after that is are these international breaks like All-Star weekends? No, so, they're not. So, and the reason why I ask that is because when there's All Star weekends, the teams that do, the players that don't make the All Star team is a very it's a large amount. So there's there's a large amount of players that don't make these international teams. During All Star weekends, the players that are not part of the competition they usually go for their four day vacation. It's their rest in the middle of the of the season. Do you, does do European soccer? Players treat it like that, or no. what are they doing during this time? They practice. The teams practice without the international players. The international players go to their national teams, and whoever's not on a national team stays back, and they just have regular practice for two weeks or whatever. Well, I think maybe they should think about a little vacation for those players that didn't make it. You know, give them, give them a little time to rest. Well, up. it's hard because, um, I mean, I, you know, what are you going to do? Your team is some of your players are leaving, but you know Milan, for example, they're playing Juventus on Saturday. So those guys that didn't make a national team, like they have to be so there now to, are to they train for that game? Now is Gattuso and Milan are they prone to play the players that were playing in, with the national team? Oh, of course, like Benucci's going to play. Like yeah, I, yeah, I mean, but he didn't get that week of practice in with the with the team. Yeah, I mean, you know. What are you going to do? He's one of the top players. The, the top players are going to play. I think there's definitely times where, you know, a player might not play because he just played two games with his national team. Maybe he's not in great shape. You know, he's a little tired, so maybe they he, they won't play him. But in this type of game, um, you know, the top players will have to play no matter what, you know. See, I'm so this – is, this is where it becomes interesting, and this is the reason why we have a podcast like this. Um, so you're saying all this, and I'm understanding it. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of an American sports fan. If, let's say, for example, the Cubs... Let's use a better better explanation, because basketball is probably... A better comparison, because basketball probably is higher up in the international level. If the Spurs have a huge game against the 
the Rockets mm-hmm. in a week. Tony Parker decides to play for Team France the week before that. You don't think there's going to be irate Spurs fans saying, how could you let Tony Parker play a week before for his country? For his country? It's But it's the culture. I understand the culture. That's the problem. The culture doesn't exist here. You know, the culture, like, for example, the MLS didn't stop this past weekend for an international break. You know, they, the players that went to play for the U.S. or that were in the MLS playing for the national teams, they went. And the rest of the players stayed and they actually had MLS games. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to, like, you know. I don't know how Greg Popovich would react to this. And I don't know. The teams don't love it. You know, you that, like that's, a, So that's what I'm, I'm trying to get there's at. There's a is, big conspiracy. And it's a cons- I believe it's a conspiracy. I don't think there's anything to it. But there's, like, a big conspiracy that Juventus purposely like will make up injuries for their players like right before the international break so their players can't actually go and, and because play. I could I can understand I know Tony Parker at this stage in his career is not what he used to be but let's go back 10 years and this exact situation occurred uh, in the basketball world I think Tony I think you know let's say he was dealing with an injury I think Greg Popovich would say your obligation and you're paid, by the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. We need to make sure you're healthy to to play in this big matchup. But the problem is there's a World Cup and that's that's the biggest trophy you could win in soccer. Like that's it. It's bigger than Champions League, it's bigger than your domestic league, it's bigger than anything. That's the thing you want to win and playing for your country in soccer is such an honor and privilege because you know, think about how many people in each country play soccer? So how many Italian players there are, for example, Argentinian players or Brazilian players that play soccer? If you don't want to play, there's another guy that will come in and take your spot. And now what's going to happen? You didn't play for us in March in the international friendly. So why should I take you on the World Cup team in June? Yeah, see, so this is, you know, Basketball is it's getting there because it's yeah, becoming it more be of, more of an international sport. But because the United States is so dominant, even right. their third tier players probably would go out and win a gold medal. Yeah, but we're right. getting to the point where it it may not be the case. Right, um, and it's going to be interesting because if it ever got to that point, like you said. You know, the culture is not set here. So you're going to have people maybe in Spain, which is another good basketball country, that they love playing for their national team. And it's the end-all, be-all for them. But meanwhile, in the United States, it's not that way. You know, playing for the Lakers is the end-all, be-all. So it's going to be like, it's going to be interesting to see if it ever gets to that point. But, I mean, it's going to be years. The U.S. will dominate for years before yeah. I mean, happens. I, I thought that when they first... Uh, introduced the World Baseball Classic. I thought this was a step in that right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem became they put innings limits, they put pitch count limits, they they put rules in place to make it so you that... You might not like this, but I think the, the whole competition is bogus. Why? Because, first of all, you can play for any country you want. Okay. Which I hate right off the bat. You know, in the, in, in international soccer... Or even the Olympics, you have to have citizenship to that country to play for that country. Here, it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, last year I felt American, but this year you no, know, there I has felt... to be. You have to have lineage. Yeah, but it, you know what does that mean? I could do ancestry.com I mean, right now and come up with any lineage. I mean, Anthony in the world Rizzo, and be like, all right, I'm gonna just play for this country Anthony, because I can. Anthony Rizzo played for the Italian team, and that's because he is he's of Italian lineage. I, you know, Ian Kinsler. I don't know enough uh, about it, but, and, but was would he have been picked on the American team? Anthony Rizzo? At that point in his career, no. That's why he um, went to play for Italy. You know, you think if the United States was calling him, he was going to was gonna like, go play I, for Italy? Like Ike Davis played for Team is- Israel. Why? And, I mean, because he didn't get <laughs> picked for the American team. That's the point I'm trying to make. Which, you know, in soccer, look at Giuseppe Rossi, for example. He had to choose between Italy and America because he had citizenship to both countries. He chose Italy and look how it's fair for him. It hasn't worked out for him because, you know, he hasn't played in a World Cup. He hasn't really been a great Italian star just because of the injuries or whatever. But, you know, he would have been called up to 
I think that maybe the 2000, he would have been called up to the 2006 World Cup for the United States when he was like 18 years old. Well, he was going to be a soccer, he was going to be the soccer prodigy. He was going to be. Right. The, the, he was going to be but the Freddie Adu after he Freddie didn't, Adu. He didn't get a second chance. It wasn't like, oh, okay, Italy doesn't want me. Let me go back and play for America. That's it. You chose Italy and now you, you, you have to stick with it. And I think the baseball classic, if you ever want to take it seriously and have it be a real well, serious I think competition. The, you have to have the same rules. I think the problem is is that when they position it, it's before the season starts. Um, there's so many rules around it. Listen, I love the concept because baseball, much like soccer and much like basketball, uh, basketball is becoming, baseball is a very international sport. Right. And there's countries, it's not fun when there's only one country that dominates everything. In basketball, that was the case, but it's not, yeah. you know, like we said, it's not. It's getting it away from that. It could be great. It, it, it really exactly. could, it but really... in my opinion, you got to put that rule in, number one. You have to be a citizen, and once you choose your allegiance, that's it. You have to, you're stuck with that country. And number two, it goes on during spring training. Yeah. So, like, the pitcher's arms aren't stretched out, and then the MLB teams it's, are going it's nuts not because at the, yeah, it's not the at the, players getting hurt and this, that, and the other thing. They're not at their optimal performance. No. But I will so, say, you know, Nelson Cruz hitting a home run off Andrew Miller – it still was a pretty exciting, you know, moment. Oh, it's great to watch. Yeah, uh, but it would be even better if it the intensity of it was the intensity of the World Series, where I feel as soccer, the it intensity is. of the World Cup it's is more. is more intense than than the, than the league. You know, maybe yeah. the Champions League, but you know, it, it, not really. You know, the World Cup is the World well, Cup. One day when I become commissioner of baseball, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll move in that direction. Uh, just want to quickly again, you can find the podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can find a podcast on Anchor. You can find it on cloudsports.tk. You can follow us. Please follow us and tweet at us and tell us uh, you're never going to become commissioner of baseball at Idiot Expert Pod on Twitter. Um, follow my co-host at CPerfetto11. He's got a lot more followers than me. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter at CalchoJo5. Um, we're going to transition a little bit. Uh, in American sports, the topic of the day seems to be Odell Beckham. And obviously, it's a local issue for us, uh, both being in New York. We hear about it a lot. Odell Beckham and his recent off-the-field antics, and not even not as much his off-the-field antics as his strict contract demands, saying that he's not going to play this season until he gets a contract extension, have now led to speculation that the Giants may, in fact, trade him to someone else. Uh, they have not said that they are actively engaging other teams, but they have also not said that they're not listening to offers, which I think is a very interesting uh, difference. How do you not listen to offers, by the way? Well, that is a good point. I mean, I guess you're actively listening to everything. Right. If, you're, if someone calls you on the phone and you pick up, they can get their actively, offer in. You're active. But you know what? I was thinking about that, that before. If someone called up the Patriots and made an offer for Tom Brady, I think they would just hang up immediately. Yeah, but what, you if, know the, what, I mean? what if the team says, like, we'll give you the, our next seven first-round picks? Like, I guess you got to listen to all I guess that's a good. I guess that's a good point. You know, someone but might do something that it crazy. Seen, but nonetheless, it seems to have picked up some traction. Mm-hmm. Um, my question to you is, and I asked you this earlier in the day, what would be a, a – what would be – We'll get into our own opinions about the Odell Beckham situation, but what would be the best soccer comparison to a situation like this? So, in terms of um, you know actual players, it's a little different uh, in soccer because in football, the team has so much power with the franchise tag. Um, so you could pretty much tie the player up. For you know as many years as you want, as long as you're I mean, willing, willing to play that, pay them you know the crazy yeah, amount of money. But he's willing to not play this season. He to says not, that to not play a down he says this that. season. But you, it's just like who you're going to see who's bluffing. You know that that's pretty much what's going to come down to. Because what good is it for him to not play this season? Number one, he's not getting paid if he doesn't play. Number two. You know, he's not going to have any stats or people aren't going to know. He's coming off an injury. You have yeah, to remember that. That's so, true. So people need to see how he's going to perform before they start handing him out, you know, a ton of money. 
Um, and then the Giants could just franchise him next year too if they want, even if he doesn't play. So this year. let's break it down yeah. into two parts of the question. Give me a soccer doppelganger for Odell Beckham. Like in terms of personality? In and- terms of give me give me soccer's version of Odell Beckham. And amazing talent that comes with what seems to be high demands for, for salary. Um, he has these the end zone antics where he he he, uh, he kicked the um, yeah. the kicking guard and it hit him in the face. Um, at times, he's extremely emotional. We've seen him crying on the sidelines before. Um, you add all that together, who who is the Odell Beckham of the soccer world? So, I would probably say and it's not an exact comparison but the first person that comes to mind is ronaldo cristiano really so cristiano ronaldo is very flashy he's very entertaining to watch he's you know he's one of the best players if not the best in soccer um and you know his off the field stuff isn't as crazy as beckham's is you know he's a little more toned down but you know he's very flashy. Yeah, no, well, no let's, we'll about it. separate the the off yeah, the field. Yeah, but stuff. on the field, he's he's also very flashy. Very is he uh, as emotional as? So he because I think that's part of his game. You know, you see, you had the Josh yeah, Norman he, incident with with Odell Beckham, right. where he literally got thrown out of the game. He was trying to hurt yeah, Josh Norman, which he should have. And you yeah. beat me in fantasy that week because <laughs> he didn't get thrown out. <laughs> Still upset about that. But anyway, Ronaldo's not. He's never going to get a red card for like headbutting somebody like that's just not who he is but he definitely is emotional he i mean i don't think he cries on the sidelines and things like that but you see him all the time yelling at his teammates if they don't pass him the ball or this that and the other thing and uh also one thing comes to mind when so portugal won the last euros okay and ronaldo was hurt in that game and you could see him on the sideline right next to his coach yelling instructions at his teammates because he wasn't playing in the game. And everybody was like, oh, come on. What are you doing? Like, why are you standing on the sideline? Like, as if you're the coach box. on the field. <laughs> you know, you're basically you know, belittling the coach because like, yeah. the guy's next to you and you're the one that's yelling and pointing at people. So that's why you know he, he comes to mind. But um, I would love to see Beckham in L.A. and Ronaldo. Okay, so... Uh... So I guess we'll t- we'll take it to the second part of the situation, which is the actual football situation. Um, so as we know, Odell Beckham, and you, you just made the comparison to Ronaldo, uh, is a supreme talent. Yeah, he um, is. He's top five wide receiver in the league. Yeah. He does some things on a football field that you probably have never seen before right. if you've ever you know if you ever watched football for the for yeah, you've watched football for a long time. Catches are literally the best catches. Yeah, in and the he's NFL a history. he's a difference maker, but. If you listen to enough New York sports talk and you read enough newspapers and you watch enough games, the big knock against Odell Beckham is if you were so good, how did they have a losing how did they have a losing record with you? You've only had one playoff appearance. Um, he's not a difference maker. And that may be because the position he plays on the field is not as important as a quarterback. Um, but I think that's something you have to factor in when you have this conversation. For sure. But in football, the team is such a huge part of the game where you can't really pin it on one person. I mean, I would argue that Eli Manning's stats are much better with Beckham in the game than without him in the game. And number two, you know, if the quarterback isn't getting enough time to throw the ball, in which case, you know, Eli Manning doesn't have enough time. time, The offensive line has been a problem for years. You know, how could you pin that on a wide receiver? You know, he's not having enough time to get down the field and get open. So, gun to your head, are you, if you are Dave Gettleman, are you making this, are you trading Odell Beckham? A supreme talent, um, a franchise player, are you trading him for, and if you are trading him, for what are you looking for? Right. I think the Giants right now are in limbo because they don't know if they're going to try and compete for a Super Bowl next year or are they rebuilding for the future. If you're rebuilding, you obviously trade him. Yeah. You, know, you have to trade him because you don't know how much you're going to have left with Eli. So, well, and also he plays a position, with the exception of quarterback, 
in football, the shelf life for players at skill right. positions not long. Are, is not long at all. We've seen it with uh, the running backs over the years. We've seen it with yeah. countless wide receivers. You have two to three, maybe four good years, and then you begin a steady decline downhill. Now, obviously, there's exceptions. Right. Antonio Brown's been good for a few years. Uh, Julio Jones, you know, there's exceptions. But um, at well, the same time, you know, that's a good point. I think you if know. you're the Giants, you have to make a decision. Right now, you have the second pick in the draft, and you have Odell Beckham on your team. If you're going to try to compete and win a Super Bowl next year, you have to trade that second pick. For you know more offensive line help well, I think, to fill more yeah. holes on the team. I, if you're not going to, if you're going to try to compete for a Super Bowl, you do that and you keep Beckham. If you're trying to rebuild, you draft the quarterback with that number two pick, and then you trade Beckham for to to try to get as many other picks as you possibly can. Yeah, I think you you hit on the the right point, which is. Um, you could have Odell Beckham, you could have Jerry Rice, you, you can yeah. have Marvin Harrison as your three wide receivers. But if Eli Manning um, is not upright, yeah. he's not going to be able to throw the ball to them. Exactly. Um, and I know they added Nate Solder. Uh, that's a great addition, but it's still not a particularly good offensive line. No, it's um, not. So they need to improve on that uh, before they do anything. And as we're we're finding out, you can't just take offensive line off this off offensive lineman off the street no, it's and you can't hard. you know draft them and later in the draft now it's to the point where first round pick second round pick you know you need to utilize those on really good offensive linemen right. uh so i tend to agree with you in that in that regard if um if they are fully in on a rebuild then they trade him yeah if not he's so talented that you have to put up with it. You have to. If you are going to co- think you are going to compete in the next two to three years, you have to. You keep have to. Him. You have to keep him. He's in his prime. Yeah, he's entering his prime. You know, absolutely. Uh, so we're talking about the NFL draft. So our listeners may not know this, but you are a huge Jets fan. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, right? So. Since we're on the, the draft topic, you know, the Jets traded up to the third pick. What do you want them to do with it? Draft the quarterback. Draft, okay, now do you have a quarterback in particular? Whichever one's available, honestly. <laughs> well, someone's going to be available. Are you going to be upset if it's Baker Mayfield? Uh, you know what? I, I wasn't on the Baker Mayfield hype train, you know, a few maybe a week ago or so, but I've been hearing some things about him now that – Making me I should tell you to talk yourself bit. into it. I'm trying to talk myself into it. So, so who's your ideal? Who's the, the number one person that you want? I like Josh Allen. I just think he's the the rawest. I will say, I watch the biggest guy. I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield's not a big guy. He's, yeah. he's shorter, and I just think that shorter quarterbacks have a harder time succeeding. It does happen, but the percentages are not great. I will say, I I saw one clip on SportsCenter. Um, from Josh Allen. It's the only time I've seen Josh Allen play. So take take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But he looked like a he threw the ball 80 yards. Yeah, he's a big he, guy. He has an absolute cannon. Yep. If they just keep replaying that, I could talk myself into And into I like this. the uh I like the Carson Wentz comparisons, you know, because he's not from a big school and and all that and you know, and I think the Jets are in a position right now where they don't need to play this guy because they have Josh uh, McCown, Josh McCown Teddy who, you know, Josh, Josh McCown did a good job last year. He's a good person for them to learn from. And Terry uh, Bridgewater is, you know, he's he's competing. He wants to be a starter in the NFL himself. He's still young, so I think you know someone like Allen, who maybe is a little raw, will have the benefit of not having to play this season and could learn really. Or yeah, I mean, or, or Bryce Petty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if I had my choice, um, I would, I would like Darnold for the Jets. Why? Uh, because he seems as if he's the most NFL ready. What school did he go to? USC. Who was the last Jets quarterback? To come oh, out of Mark USC? Sanchez. Did there that you work go. out? <laughs> did we trade it up for him too? Well, I, you know what, I think he's a little bit more. Who was prepared. the last USC quarterback to be successful? I literally Carson Palmer. 
Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer would last, be the last one. That was a long time ago. Matt Leinart was not successful. Um, Mark Sanchez. You know who? You not. know uh, Matt Castle. You would call Matt Castle successful. That one year, that one year with the Patriots, yeah, he was I really could play successful. Yeah, Bill Belichick <laughs> really and, successful. And go the eleven and five. I'm trying to think what other. Yeah, Carson Palmer was probably the last uh, USC quarterback. Um, yeah, I don't want him because of the Sanchez comparisons. Because he's coming out of USC, they traded up for him. I just want no. Josh Rosen. I like Rosen. Oh, he would be my second pick. He would I, be I your think second go behind Allen, Josh Allen. Rosen, Mayfield. <laughs> for Darnold. Keep, keep Darnold away from me. You may be an expert at soccer, but you clearly are not an expert in the NFL draft. Talk because... to me in five years. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Um, we move on, and uh, tomorrow is, uh, and when you're listening to this, probably, it will be opening day in Major League Baseball, which uh, I really enjoy. Claudio, he enjoys like a little the, bit. I love the Yankees. Yeah, so... It, so we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball opening day um, and how, you know, I always say this about baseball, it's really a regional game. Mm-hmm. So exactly what you just said. You said, I love the Yankees. Yeah. It's very it's it's very difficult to find someone that's going to say that I love the MLB. Like, people love the NFL. They watch every single game. If they'll watch, but the diehards are crazy. Diehards are crazy, yes. Are. You know, like, I'll watch... I'm nuts, but I'll watch random games. But the majority of fans are only going to watch the Yankees. If they live in Boston, they're going to watch the Red Sox. If they live in Chicago, they'll watch the White Sox. I'll tell you who I'd watch. Obviously, the Yankees. I watch majority of the Yankee games because I really do enjoy the Yankees. Um, I'll watch the Cubs. Okay. I like the Cubs. I like the storyline there. I like I like. The organization, I like the players, so I'll watch the Cubs. I like the Giants. I'll watch the Giants. Um, other than those three, like I'm probably never sitting in front of the TV watching baseball. But games. if Lions Vikings is on Monday Night Football, yeah. you'll watch that. So right. my question becomes: um, in European soccer, in the European soccer world, is fandom more along the lines of Major League Baseball or more along the lines of, of the NFL? No, it's in terms, definitely more NFL, NBA, where you'll so watch people, any So people will watch any game. Yeah. So if Sassuolo is, is yeah. playing my, Verona. Yeah. My, you know, my father is a huge Juventus fan, but he literally watches every game saturday and sunday and that's just one example but there's a lot of people like that and i think you take it to another level with the champions league where you know you're watching the champions league you know these next games that is a good point yeah these quarterfinals of champions league you're watching them you know what i mean if you're a soccer fan because they're big teams you know the players they're stars it all comes down to marketing your stars if you you know if you ask me i think that's a big part of well you know i think the regional aspect for baseball is that it's played for such a long time, 162 games. Yep. It's played throughout the summer. It gives you something to go home and watch mm-hmm. every day uh, during the summer and it becomes part of your family. Uh, the Yankees, the Mets, whoever you root for, it becomes part of your daily routine. That's why I think it's so different in comparison to soccer and football because those are it's during, not every day. Those are, it's not every day. Yeah, it's not that. in your face every day. You're not reading the newspaper every day. As I, I'm sure there's fans that are doing that and are, are crazy about their teams, but the team plays, what, maybe one Wednesday think, and a Sunday or Wednesday and a Saturday? I think the one similarity between baseball and soccer is the youth aspect of it because in soccer you have the youth teams, the Primavera teams that – you know, have young players on them. And in baseball, obviously, you have the minor leagues, which is very similar. And you, if you're a fan of the team, you kind of get attached to those young players and you're excited to see them come up and you're yep. excited to see what they become. And, you know, that's something that you don't have in baseball and uh, basketball or football because obviously those kids are coming right out of the draft and, you know, they're usually ready Especially to Especially in the NFL. On. The NFL, right. week to week, you could have different people on the yeah. field. Like, what do you care about someone on the practice squad? Like, no, no, yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. But meanwhile, you know, as Yankee fans, 
how long have we known about Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez yeah. and these guys in the minors? <laughs> Gliber Torres, yeah. Miguel Andahar, yeah. Tyler Wade. You know these, uh, but specifically Judge and Sanchez because they were there from the beginning. Yeah, and you know they they're already what twenty six now. Judge is going to be twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. So you've known about him for a long time, and you're getting to see him now. You know, fulfill the talent level that was you know proclaimed for him i guess you know so yeah so that's 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 an interesting point but i think you know that's just the state of the way the sports are um and it's interesting to see how soccer falls within that line so you know for those that are trying to get into the sport um it's more along the lines of the nfl than it would be uh major league baseball in terms of fan interest um now both of us are fans or were fans of the Mike and the Mad Dog program, radio program, yeah. um, and every year they used to do their MLB over under for win totals, and they even did it today uh, on their sh- on the MLB Network show uh, High, Heat. High Heat that Chris Russo has, um, which I watch almost daily. Look at so, that! Look, so I'm you not- are not only an expert on soccer. Maybe an expert on baseball as well. Chris Russo expert. Chris Russo I expert. For him. <laughs> I don't care what the games are about. I don't care what they're talking about, but I love watching him. Right. So, All look, right. give me more Chris Russo. Maybe it'll become a national sport. <laughs> maybe, I mean? maybe we'll interview him one day, and you can ask <laughs> yeah. him about soccer. Um, but uh, in honor of that, uh, we decided it'd be fun uh, to pick two teams ourselves. Um, so. Claudia, I'll let you go first so are we and doing, second. Are we doing the Mike and the Mad Dog? No, there's no bet behind it. You're gonna pick no, two no, teams. But are we doing the format where I pick one and you pick two? I'm gonna and let I you pick another one, or are we going one, I think, one, one, one? What are we? Doing I'm gonna there? let you go first, and you could get your two out of the way, and then I'll go, and I'll do my two because the two that I pick, there's no chance that you're gonna pick. You don't know about that. The first one, the first one that I'm going with, is. Under 96 and a half for the Astros. Under 96 and a half. Yeah. Interesting. So defending World Series champions, yeah. they add Garrett Cole in the offseason, mm-hmm. and you are saying under. they're under 96 and a yeah, half. Yeah, I just think it's a huge number to try to get. 96, I mean, 96 you have to is a win lot of 97 games. games. 97 games is a lot of games Which in baseball. I think that's, you know, what they win last year, 101, and they won the World Series, so... And it also depends on the competition in their division. If they don't really have a need to go out and win 97 games, you know. They could rest people. They exactly. Could, they could move you know, to six-man rotations. they have a 15-game lead in, in August, you know, why are they going to go Well, try two things that would games? concern me about that is that they definitely improve their starting pitching because mm-hmm. uh, now they have a full year of Verlander, and they added Garrett Cole in the offseason. Verlander. He, I mean, had great, I, he had a great he, he second was, half of the season. He was a dominant uh, pitcher in, in the second half. Yeah, and, right. But before that with the Tigers, he wasn't you know, himself. So was that a, a blip or you know, is that what we're going to see from him going forward? He's getting older. We'll see. Well, that is true. He is getting older. And now what's your second pick? I think you should go first. All right, go so I'll, I'll go first then. Um, I'm going to take uh, the Phillies and the over 75 and a half. Wow. Uh, 75 and a half is, it's not a high. That's guts. It's, I don't think it's that gutsy. How many did they win last year? Well, they won 66 games last year. But keep in mind, they play in a division that has the Marlins, who are terrible. Uh, the Mets are nothing to write home about. The Nationals, obviously, are probably going to win the division. The, the Mets are nothing to write, write home about. I, I didn't keep even process it, that until just now. Keep, keep in mind. The Mets, if, if the Mets stay healthy, they're a 90-win team. <laughs> That's the biggest if I've ever the heard. The one year it worked out for them, they okay. made the World Series. All right, so let me finish oh, on this. Okay. with with, And the Braves are also in their division. Um, so what I like about the Phillies is that they, uh, they added an ace in Jake Arrieta. Um, in the offseason, they added Carlos Santana. Jake Arrieta. <laughs> Jake Arrieta is a, he two years removed from a, a Cy Young win. I know, uh, but the trends are not good. <laughs> He's trending in the wrong direction. Right. Anyway, uh, they have Carlos Santana, um, Rice Hoskins. Uh, people seem to love this second base prospect that they have that they just signed to a six-year deal, um, and he's never played, uh, played before. Um, so the Phillies... They play in a, a bandbox of a, of a ballpark. They're going to hit pretty well. They're moving in the right direction. 
Um, Gabe Kapler is an interesting new manager. Uh, I expect more of an analytical aspect for the team. Um, but I just like that the way they're going. And again, they play in the NL East where the Marlins are terrible. Like I said, the Braves are n- nothing amazing. And then debatable about the Mets. Right. But the Nationals are good. But the Nationals are good. So <laughs> so is this like, is this, they're going to win 76 games? Or you think they're no, going to they're kill it? No, they're, they're not going to kill it. They're going right. to just get They're going to break it. 75 and a half. That's so that's the idea. You're, you're saying 76, 78 wins somewhere around. Yeah, there. I mean, if they go 500, that's a that's a really successful season for them. So I think probably 77, 78 games. Yeah, they're well, moving. 500 in the right. would be beating this pretty pretty bad, pretty good. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying 81. That's you know yeah. five and a half games. Exactly. Older. So I'm saying if they if they can win 77, 78 games, you know that'll mm-hmm. that'll do its job. All right. So, nice. what's your second pick? So, I didn't want to do two unders, but I have to. Okay. So, I'm going with the San Diego Padres under 69 and a half. Under 69 and a half. And I'm going. I'm doing it for two two reasons. Did Chase Headley get traded back to the Padres? Yes, he did. Okay, so that's that's number one. <laughs> so Chase Headley, that's an autumn. They won 71 games last year. Chase Headley is an automatic minus five. All so right. that, they're at 66 in my book. And number two, I was just in San Diego this past weekend, and I actually visited Petco Park. Yeah. Biggest jinx of all of all of time. Of all time, there you go. So, so even too a, much to overcome. Even adding Eric Cosmer in the offseason yeah. doesn't make a difference for you. You're that big of a jinx that they're going under. Yeah, 67 wins. I'm I'm predicting for for the Padres. Wow, this that's season. a really low bar too. 69. They got a tough division too, though. You know, they got to play the Giants, who I think are going to probably be improved. They got Longoria, yeah, McCutcheon. The Dodgers are there. That whole division uh, Rockies, is good. Rockies are good. The Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks yeah. So they had a tough division. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't. I'd be surprised if they won over seventy games. All right, and my last under is uh, my only under um, is going to be the Royals under seventy one and a half. So I don't know if you even read this, but a few hours before we recorded this, um, their catcher Salvador Perez fell when he dropped his luggage um, and is out six to eight weeks. That's a big loss. So not only is that a big loss, that's just a bad omen for your season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The night before uh, opening day, your player injures himself moving luggage, and he has to be out six to eight weeks. That's terrible. <laughs> there's the there's no that's some Met stuff that happens. Yeah. So uh, so I mean, not only did they did they lose him, uh, they lose Lorenzo Cain, who's now part of the Brewers. They lose Eric Hosmer, who's now part of the, your your under Padres. Uh, so um it's just not a good situation i don't even know who their pitching staff is ian kennedy is on their starting rotation and we know ian kennedy from his time with the yankees um really not that great of a pitcher i mean he had one good year um but uh you know i i think that they're going under 71 and a half so that i think we we probably should do the new york teams all right so we are yeah we might as well so the yankees are are uh 94 and a half you could take the Yankees. I'll I'll do the Mets. All right. So um, I think they're going to go over ninety four and a half. Over ninety four and a half. I think they're probably going to get like ninety six or ninety seven wins. Francesca picked them over ninety four and a half too. So yeah, I mean, they they won ninety one games last year. Um, they did. Yeah. We, we're already at almost an hour of this podcast, but if you want me to spend another hour, no, I can I can te- I can tell you. I mean, I didn't love. Getting rid of Joe Girardi, um, I'm in the Joe. I'm in the Joe Girardi camp. Um, I think that's a little bit of a loss, but I think that the talent that they have, I agree. the lineup is stacked. The rotation is a lot more solid than people think, and their bullpen is lights out. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, I agree. It's you know, it's Didn't it's a really really good team, um, and also the AL East has gotten a lot worse. Uh, yeah. The Orioles are not as good. The uh, Blue Jays. Really yeah. have, have dropped off. Um, the yeah. Red Sox are are better at adding JD Martinez, um, but and, and the, the Rays, Rays are bad. Yeah, Rays so are bad. Uh, so I think you know the Yankees will be over. And what are you what are you thinking for the Mets? I think the Mets are going to be over. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with I that. Think, I I like that the starters are all healthy going into the season. I don't remember 
if that has ever happened for them before going into it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, if three of them stay healthy and pitch well, the you know, season, you know, Degrom is going to give you. Degrom's been great for them. Degrom will be if, good at, if they keep Syndergaard healthy. Yeah, he's going to be great for them. And then you need one of the other three to. Harvey you know, is going to probably yeah. have a bounce back year. Um, but Matt's is always hurt. I, think, I know you know, the title like of that. this is an idiot and an expert, um, but you do know you need to score runs to win baseball games. Well, their right? lineup's not terrible. I mean, if Cespedes stays healthy, it's a big. They have to stay healthy. Who who else other than Cespedes? Other, I mean, Nimmo, Jay Bruce. Nimmo's not a bad player. I mean, Conforto when he comes back, back. you know, he's. He's been a good hitter for them. Adrian so, Gonzalez, he's striking fear into your heart. Listen, Jose you're, Reyes, you're banking on Arietta and uh, Verlander to win seventy to win seventy five <laughs> okay, games. So, I mean, the Mets could get something out of Adrian Gonzalez if, if they can't. need to. All right, Struble Cabrera is a professional. Come I will. On. I will give you. you no, they got Bruce. Cespedes 81 is a very low. It's a low is, number. Eighty one is a low. Listen, number. you're picking more the number than you are picking the talent on the team. Yeah, I am picking. 81's a low number. I, I could see them. I If all goes well, I think they're potentially a 92, talk to me in four months. 92 or 93 win team. If talk, all goes well. Talk to me in four months when Seth Lugo is the ace of the staff. All five are on the DL. Um, I just said if all goes well. All right. If, if, you know, they have manageable injuries, they should be able to beat this comfortably. If you know the whole team's injured like last year, they're gonna win seventy games again, and it's and that'll be it. That's it. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys giving us your time. Uh, that wraps up an idiot and an expert episode five. Um, stay tuned because uh, we're slated to have a special guest in episode six, um, and that's probably gonna drop on Saturday morning. Um, but uh, who knows? It might fall through for us, so you never know. <laughs> but again, thank you for listening. Again, if you want to follow us at Idiot Expert Pod, uh, follow my co-host at CProfetto11, and follow myself at CalchoJo5. You can download. Please subscribe. Please review. Uh, please rate uh, us on iTunes, on Anchor, and you can find us on Cloud Sports TK. Uh, until next time, see you later. <laughs>